Hey guys. Yeah, water. Good to be with you. I uh, haven't been back in Cincinnati for a while. It's been uh, uh, good to be gone. (laughs) I'm just messed with you guys. But uh, seriously, um, I had not been back for quite a while, and uh, we've done a number of things. Uh, We're in Florida, as you guys perhaps know, planted a church in Tampa. Uh, Decided after two or three years that it was way too sweaty down there. We we, we call them one-shirt days, two- and three-shirt days, and uh, many times you get into your car, it's already a one-shirt day, and you need to be flipping them back and forth, because uh, I don't know, maybe it's me, but I hate working in a totally drenched shirt with uh, sweat everywhere, but, uh, and, and then uh, actually gave the church to a, a guy that we trained, and from Canada, of all places, we had to translate for him for a while, and then he finally speaks English, you know, American English, but then uh, went to... Um, Portland and helped a, a group of Methodists. Yep, okay, you're really you're not. You know, uh, it, it was uh, a great time. Oh, okay. Here we go again. So, should I start over again? Hi, this is Steve. Um, but I went to uh, Portland and helped a group there for a few years, and really felt called to just evolve back down to. Uh, somewhere at the West Coast. And it's kind of one of those funny things where you start thinking it and boom, something happens right after that. Can you relate to that a little bit? And a, uh, a church that we had actually known, if you guys have read my book about my near-death experience, The Day I Died, uh, the guy that prayed for me when I was at my worst in a coma, et cetera, was actually the pastor of the church. And he sent his, pa- sent his pastor church on to somebody else. But Janie's on the staff there as one of the uh, pastors. And... Uh, so uh, I realize now that she should have been like that a long time ago at the beginning of our church in uh, Troy County area. So because I'm not really a pastor, I don't know what I am. But there's a, you know, and they talk about uh, the five uh, ministries, uh, offices of the church. And there's not even one there for me. I, you know, Steve ADD, I, you know, it's not really there yet. Uh, somewhere there's a dash uh, kind of a pastor. I, you know, so um, I've had, we're having a great time. I've had, you guys know how I've had physical struggles and, uh, I think, uh, it's safe to say I'm way, way, way better and, uh, have my moments on occasion where I do one of these things. And last night I got out of the car and had one, I fell face forward at the hotel. And, uh, so Janie says, uh, get up, you know, she's not very, not very kind anymore, you know, so she's, she's sick of me, you know, lying around feeling sorry for myself and all that stuff. And so, uh, <laughs> But uh, really, uh, now we're back in um, Claremont, California, which is on the east side of the L.A. Basin. And uh, it's, you know, way out there. It's actually, uh, there's five colleges there. They call them the Colleges of Claremont. And they're, they're kind of uh, highly ra- rated academically. If you look on the uh, U.S. News and World Report, where they issue their top ten of these DCs, uh, the top uh, party school of America is Arizona State, Tempe, where I used to live right near there. And... I, I could tell that was probably the number one, you know, no big surprise. But uh, in the top ten, there are two of the five, typically, that uh, in terms of academics are rated. So Harvard's up here, of course, and then about four down is one of the colleges of Claremont. Uh, so an amazing place. Um, there, there must be, uh, you know, no more than 1,500, 2,000 students, but uh, very, very picky. By the way, you cannot get in there or even apply unless you have a higher uh, grade average than 4.0. And I'm, I'm going, uh, how do you do that? Well, you take certain classes. It'd be One guy said, I'm 4.3, and man, it was a struggle getting in. And I... <laughs> 
I, you know, that's not like me when I went to college, but, um, but uh, it's actually called the, the Village of Trees and PhDs because there are more PhDs per capita there than anywhere in uh, America, including right around Harvard. And uh, so, and the average uh, family income, you ready for this? $500,000 a year. I mean, that's, that's a whole lot of money, as, uh, as Pa would say in the uh, Beverly Hillbillies. And so, uh, so it's been a you know, transition. We're learning how to do outreach in a whole different echelon of people. And you can always clean toilets. You can always um, give away water because uh, I figured out that pretty much 100% of the planet needs water daily. And uh, so I've been experimenting a little bit. And uh, one that's a little controversial is I've been going out and buying uh, pretty good cigars. And, uh, and I know this is controversial, but uh, anyway, uh, Dave King back there, can he's been a cigar smoker since the beginning of his small childhood. But... Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, five-year-old kindergarten, put that out. It's time for school. And, uh, but uh, uh, we, I've been going out giving away little cigars to these business owner guys. I call them Oh, yeah. When I get one of these, I feel inclined to do one of my crooner songs from Las Vegas. And I, I'm just going to, because it's shaped just like I used to do in Las Vegas. And, but it was a lime green uh, leisure suit back then, and I, I'll, I'll resist the temptation. Uh, but we've been going around uh, finding new ways of relating, and uh, the cigar thing, I've been doing my rounds with uh, business owners. It, it's been a really cool time, and I've gotten to know a lot of the business owners. And uh, let me get this straight, Steve. You guys are a church. And uh, you're, I've been a pastor, and you're giving me a cigar. And I love cigars. What's that all about? And I said, well, I figure that, uh, you know, that if, um, you know, Jesus were walking around town, he'd be doing kind things to people, giving out cigars. And I said, well, you know, I don't know, maybe not. But, uh, okay, I'll let that settle in. You guys are, am I in Cincinnati or parts of Los Angeles? Anyway, uh, I apologize for that if it's, you know, offensive to you. But uh, anyway, um, hey, I'm going to talk today from... Uh, a, one of my favorite uh, stories, actually, in the entire Bible. It's in Acts chapter 10. And I think we have it summarized up here. No, we don't. But uh, it's uh, part of a verse, uh, actually, this, this part of a verse, where uh, early on in Peter's ministry, he's out. Um, I think he doesn't have a lot of confidence. Uh, Acts 2, he does a spontaneous message, which we still talk about quite a bit in Acts 2. The Spirit falls. Peter, in his uh, greatest moment of spontaneity, gets up, gives a message. And I think this might be the, the second one he did, where he was beginning to think about, uh, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? I'm not going to get into the whole story. This could easily be about a four or five week series, this whole chapter, maybe longer even. But uh, the Lord says, I want you to go with these guys, da, da, da. He's walking to the uh, Cornelius' household. He was uh, an amazing guy. All the nicknames, do you think his friends call him Cornelius? I think they call him Corny or something like that, you know, because, you know, people with a long name, you give them a nickname. So maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think they suspect that he gave him a, maybe that was it, Corny. Back in those days, it meant something different. And uh, so he's walking there saying, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? And he wanted to look on his Bible app and his iPad. Of course, he was stoned at that time. But, uh, and the Wi-Fi is horrible on the way there. So he's not much help with my, my iPad. Okay. <laughs> Reel it in. Okay. And uh, 
he's there, uh, gets there to Cornelius' household, and they go through a, a few things. I'm not going to get into that. But uh, he gets up to talk, and he says uh, the following words. And Jesus went about doing good to all kinds of people. He went about doing good to all kinds of people. I'm going to break that up into three parts and just uh, talk for just a few minutes about this. Uh, I like that line, he went about. You know, in the uh, early parts of uh, uh, the Gospels, uh, especially, and then early on, well, actually through the the book of Acts, you see that phrase, uh, they were among the people, over and over again. I think it might be the King James Version. They were among the people, among the people, among the people. And I think it's so easy, both as uh, people in ministry that are, I hate the word professionals because we're all ministers. Pardon me. This is my officially mouth-drying stuff here. But uh, it's hard to find mouth-drying stuff anymore. It used to be very common in the, in the world, but I, when I needed it, it's hard to find. Anyway, a little note. Uh, if you get a dry mouth, you can call me. I can tell you where to get it now. Uh, but he went about, and uh, he, they were among the people. You know, it's very easy for us, uh, no matter where we are in the Lord, to justify not being among the people. Are you with me here? And to draw back and to, you know, I'm studying to be ready to be among the people. And, uh, and I asked, I've heard this all the time in various ways to say it. And I, I heard recently somebody say something like that. And of course, my line was, when are you going to know you're, you know, well-trained to go among the people? And, you know, the guy says, well, I know I'll understand when I get there, <laughs> which is about a minute after he dies. And so, uh, but I, I think it's, uh, no matter how we're wired, even as we're introverts, you know, you may think I'm an extrovert, but when I take, uh, like, the Myers-Briggs uh, inventory, I come up introverted, actually. But I've, uh, they, they call it actually a borderline uh, extrovert, whatever. But I'm just into the introvert stage, then I can go out and speak and do all sorts of stuff, and I need to, you know, duck back in and, you know, get refilled and, and so forth. And, um, and I, I think that part of the, the Christian life is to learn to do things that we find difficult, Wow, what a concept. And uh, that, we need, that to get to the point where we say, God, if you don't empower me, if you don't open the doors, if you don't create the pipeline that Jesus talks about in uh, John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. And kind of a picture of receiving it and giving it away spontaneously. And uh, we're never going to see the fruit appear at the end of the branch. And it's like a, a mystery. How in the world did that happen? Well, I just kind of, you know, fought against my natural inclination. And I said, I'm going to take a risk and be among the people and, uh, and as Jesus was. And, you know, I have this theory is that the, um, the further we go on in history, and, and I think we can see it in our lives, because we are in a rapidly changing world. Would you agree? You know, terrorism and shebang, shebang. Um, I, I think that we've got to get to a point of just saying, I am willing from this point forward to do what is unnatural to me. <laughs> that doesn't mean you, you know, buy the tent and go around and, you know, Bob Clark International Ministries and, you know, uh, and so forth. Uh, but, I, but I think that it has to do with uh, just the simple uh, availability thing and the next open door that God gives you. And I, and of course, there's a practice thing. It's kind of a, you know, it, it's, it's a slow uh, forward thing. That, some of you are familiar with the, the term, uh, the long tail. 
Uh, it's like slurting slowly and, and then eventually goes like this. That's the, the long tail. And I think that all aspects of the Christian life that are not in our natural, uh, that term wheelhouse, are uh, really, that's kind of the way it works. Is saying, God, I'm willing to be uncomfortable in the middle of walking with you. And, you know, again, the, the beginning of uncomfortable may be something, I talk a lot about kindness, uh, generosity, uh, driving through a Taco Bell. And, uh, you know, paying for the person's meal behind you. And uh, I do that all the time. I did it the other day. And uh, actually it was Starbucks. And uh, I, I asked the person, the gal, gal at the uh, window, uh, well, I want to pay for the person's thing behind me. And I said, by the way, what is it? And if it was too much, I said, well, how about two cars behind me? I, that's my, you know, Taco Bell. I love them because it's uh, super cheap. You can eat like a king for $3, you know. But uh, if the one behind, that one is $35, I'm saying, you know, I, you know, how about one? How about the third one behind me even, you know? So, and you know, I I actually, not to drop names, um, but when Billy Graham was here in town a few years ago, maybe some of you that are really old, uh, I was telling Will and some of these people, you know, Billy Graham's here. I was like in vitro, I was like in my mother's womb then. So, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was, you know, I'm going, what? And, and so um, Billy Graham's in town. We gave away 350,000 bottles of water. Uh, and again, it's not the water. It's the connection. It's the excuse to be in their presence. It's the excuse of bringing God's generosity. And you with me here. It's that pipeline thing. I'm willing to be a pipeline. We had over 300 churches join in. It was, you know, it was really, really big time fun. And so we uh, got together, did that, and uh, I'm telling the story after the, the I guess it was Sunday, uh, getting together for the Sunday night beginning of the meetings. And I go to sit down, and uh, the, the leaders are all there, and they whistle and stomp their feet. 350000 that's great. Uh, Billy grabs me by the, the arm as I'm walking back, and he goes, uh, hey, can you meet at my hotel at 10 o'clock in the morning tomorrow? And I said, uh, let me check my schedule. I'll be right back to you. So, okay. But... Uh, Got to spend a little chunk of time with them. And uh, he says, uh, you know, if I were you, I'd spend the rest of my life. He actually said, if I were you and your friends, I would go everywhere bringing this thing of uh, the kindness of, of God everywhere in the world. And he says something else telling. He says, you know what I've done? It won't work anymore. And uh, it's come and gone. And, uh, you know, some people are doing it you know, until human history has ended. But it's really not at the center of what God is up to these days. The center of it is bringing the kingdom, not just talking, talking, talking. And, you know, this is a rough paraphrase, that second part. But he's saying, if I were you, I would write about it. I would talk about it. I'd go anywhere uh, you could do about that. I would model it and so forth. Isn't that cool? And, uh, I mean, all it took to, you know, get Billy's heart was a you know, bottle of water. I mean, geez, you know, so... Who knows if we gave him a Coke, what he could have said, you know, so, uh, but he went about, and then secondly, doing good. And, you know, you begin to think about what is meant by doing good. I mean, how many different versions of doing good can there be? And uh, I, you know, as you, as you think about it, as I think about it, you know, there's like no end to the creativity that God could bring to doing good. And I think it's important that we realize that uh, Peter said, just let, left it blank right there. No, you know, uh, by, by good, I say the following. I, I think he left it blank because they knew enough, and we know it really well because we have God's word written down, that uh, Jesus went about doing good time after time, people after people, uh, I, I think person after person. As you read the Gospels, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John to a lesser degree, but especially the fourth, three, the first three gospels. You see him day after day, either in a, I think it was, it was planned on occasion, but I think that it was more spontaneous. And, uh, you know, the apostles are probably scared to death. What in the world is he doing now? And I, I suspect they were actually kind of upset with them. Well, we actually see it, that they were kind of mad at him. And it wasn't until after he had left gone back to be with the father that they figured out what he'd been doing with them for three years and there it was kind of the head slap oh my word you know the was that Murley uh, Mo Curly or Joe I, I can't remember which one it was doing that thing but, you know Curly did this thing you know and who's your favorite third stooge I, I you know I think Curly for me and Shemp was you know those guys were all brothers I don't know if you knew this but uh, he would do the the foot thing and go around circles and you know hilarious stuff and the girls I've never seen a girl yet that thought that was funny and the guys they are laughing their heads off and girls go turn the TV off or on the news that is ridiculously not funny and so anyway I, I think that that is even you know something that everybody could could pull off how did I get in the three studios I don't remember that part but anyway. <laughs> The, the whole thing of, of doing good is like unlimited how many things we could do good at. And, and I think that with Jesus, he, he really modeled to them. Oh, that's where it was. He, they were going like this. And uh, they were just beginning to catch on to what doing good was all about. And I think right here in chapter 10, that all the stuff in between chapter 2 and 10, that it hit him. Oh, yeah. Now I remember that he was trying to show us how to do what he did. Does that make sense to you guys? And you know, they did other things beyond that and so forth. And actually, if you go back and count them in, uh, in the, four, the, well, the four Gospels, you see uh, Jesus doing all kinds of, of good that was surprising and things that I think were so creative that we would never, if we had a little committee thinking together, how could we do good to all kinds of people, all things considered, all the limitations considered? And I, I think it would be hard to even match up to the beginning of what Jesus did. And so... What it says here is he went about doing good. And I, I wonder, again, I've been traveling all over the place. I, even before Billy had said that to me. And uh, that uh, doing good evolves around a bit of who you're talking to. Does that make sense? If, if uh, ladies don't like the Three Stooges, okay, well, let them watch Green Acres or whatever. You know, that was a show, you guys that are younger. And uh, my son Jack actually knows all these shows because he watches them in reruns, I guess. And... Uh, yeah, I know all those, you know, so now tell me anything. I start to tell him and he goes, yeah, I know that episode even, you know, but, uh, you, you gotta wonder what doing good is. We were in, uh, Moscow and, uh, a few years ago and we, uh, gave away hand warmers. You, you crack it open, you just move it and it becomes very warm. And, uh, and I, I actually looked in USA Today to get the forecast. It said, you know, in the thirties and then mid forties, I believed it. <laughs> Sucker! I, I went over there with a little, you know, thin jacket, and it was actually right around zero. And so, here's Steve. They're asking me, "Why didn't you bring a real jacket?" I said, "Well, because USA Today," and they're going right. And so I, I ran between buildings when I was there, and uh, we gave away these hand warmers. And the most common response was a little bit of skepticism by the average person, Moscowite or whatever they're called. They said, are you guys Chechnyans? I said, no, but they're the ones that blow up things all the time. And no. You know, but you never know. And they'd laugh and, you know, and we would uh, get on with them and so forth. But we've done so many things over the, the world that some things would never really connect the dots with typical Cincinnatians or typical whatever Americans. And so it's like evolving, you know, the cigars. You know, I, I would never do that in Cincinnati. 
mainly because I was a pastor in Cincinnati, and they would misunderstand. But when I'm in in, uh, in uh, Claremont, you know, I just can go under the radar screen. And uh, well, my wife, <laughs> okay, uh, she's a pastor, and she likes me still, and so forth. Uh, but but doing good, doing good, doing good, and and I think it'll fi- you'll figure it out as as you go forward. Uh, what this is all about. And as I make my rounds, as I call them, kind of like a, the old-fashioned doctor, going to this and this and this, I, I actually know a lot of the managers, and uh, I've discovered uh, there's ways to connect with them and to get them to be a little bit, uh, lift their day a little bit. Uh, I always ask, are you having uh, fun today? And they, and they say, why would you ask that? I said, because I'm the fun police. And if you're not having fun, I'm going to stop back by and give you a ticket for not having fun. And uh, they look at me kind of, their head cocks a little bit. And they, they get it because they know me now. And, uh, uh, you know, stuff like that. I, I, I go around the, the block a bit and have a lot of other lines, but I won't give them to you. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're already being patient already today. But, uh, I, 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 you know, so begin to think, you know, maybe I think begin to pray. Uh, what could I do good to all kinds of people, maybe at work. And really at work, it becomes kind of challenging. It's probably the most difficult thing. And family is a difficult thing because you see them over and over and over again. A stranger passing in the night, as they say, uh, it's way easier to, to love them, to uh, show generosity toward them. But uh, people who are you, don't, you do know, well, uh, you, you can get stuck in a thing where, where's my pizza you gave me last week kind of thing. Well, you know, I just do that every once in a while. And uh, so I, I think that's going to be a good way to do it. And lastly, and I think this might be the most important part, to all kinds of people, to all kinds of people. And as much as we'd like to think that there's no one that I uh, reject, there's no one that makes me uncomfortable, etc. You know, it's, I wish it was true for me, but it's not. There's people all over the place that, not that I don't like, but I, they're just not my cup of tea. You know, even, you know, I have like my 10 least like countries in the world. And, uh, you know, <laughs> watching the Olympics and I said, I can't even see that flag. It's like my least like, you know, person, you know, group in the world. <laughs> Jenny's going, Which, wow, I'm discovering more about you all the time, Steve. And, uh, but, uh, you know, there's people that we all, I think, uh, maybe struggle with. We think that they're uh, this or that or what have you. And, um, and so we've got to, I think, open our hearts and say, God, would you give me a, a heart to love even those and accept even those who are way different than me? And, and again, something that's impossible for us is not just possible with God, but we can begin to do what's fluent with the Lord. And so we, we ask God, fill me with uh, your ability to, to love even the people that have been uh, offensive to me. And you know what happens is we begin to think differently. We begin to respond differently, begin to show generosity differently to people. And, and so, and I think honestly, that's a big part of what's happened here in Cincinnati is that we've learned to be generous and to love and accept all kinds of people. And, you know, I can't help but think about this. I have been driving around town this week and seeing all sorts of this and that, and actually ran into Brian Tome, who's the guy who's been doing all these, uh, uh, crossroads churches. And, uh, he grabbed me by the shoulder. He says, Steve, I got to tell you, if you guys, and I, not Janie and I, but the whole vineyard thing, he says, if you hadn't been doing that, there is no way that we could have done what we're doing. Not in a long time. It would have taken decades longer. Are you with me here? But you guys were icebreakers. 
you guys went ahead of uh, through the icebergs, if you will, and you really did stuff that uh, was just so amazing that um, who would have thought it years ago this could be happening? Of course, my line was, "You've ruined the city, Brian," <laughs> in a good way, and uh, plus they have amazing, you know, deep pockets. Or it's just incredible, and uh, most of my friends in the vineyard don't have real, really deep pockets. Just kind of shallow pockets. And so if they could have deep pockets, they would gladly vote that way. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think that we have done some amazing things. I say we, I say here in the room. Yeah, you with me here? I don't mean Janie and I. Come on. You know, it's been the whole move of the spirit, the, the icebreaker movement. I almost thought uh, if we could rename the whole thing, it would be the icebreaker churches or something. You know, that'd be kind of fun. But uh, metaphorically, that's really who we are who we are, the, the royal we here in this room, uh, have been uh, up to for the longest time. I, I thought that's kind of cool. You know, and, uh, and I love Brian. In fact, one here, a funny story, is when they were first starting, they had about 100 people. Uh, when we first started, there was five people, and we, I had three jobs. And not to sound horrible, but, you know, it's a little less difficult to walk into when you have that much of a, you know, a bank account and so forth. You know, I was driving a school bus. I mean, what is the difference here between things? But uh, I think that, uh, that, that God uh, used and continues to use uh, our, again, the, the whole royal hour, uh, to draw people in. I mean, the vineyard is this huge spectrum from way over there to way over there. And uh, one of the things I remember that was really one of my cherished memories was a guy that is a super mega, mega, mega guy who now lives only on his yacht and goes only to the Caribbean and has invited me all sorts of times to go down there and, and you know, sail around the Caribbean with him and so forth. <laughs> and, uh, but he'd wear these expensive suits. And I mean, even after he figured out the dress code of the vineyard and uh, he's sitting next to, and on purpose, I think, to learn how to love people that are way different from him. And he'd tell me stories about this one week, and, uh, and, and that one week. And, you know, he said his wife, who was, you know, she's kind of like him, I guess. But she said they had been twice. She says, those people are all nuts in uh, Spanish. They were loco y cabeza, you know, crazy in the head. And uh, she walked out to the car, grabs the, the handle of the car, and says, these people are all losers. And the Lord spoke to her and said, and you're the biggest one of all. Wow. That was the beginning of a long-term relationship. And so I think that a lot of us, when we begin to get in touch with ourselves, not just with the, the giant uh, maybe picture of what's going on, but ourselves and our fellowship, our sphere of influence, begin to see that, uh, that God is going to use us to do. And he wants to, uh, I, I think, uh, conform us to his way of thinking, his way of doing and specifically his strategy through our lives, through my life. It's amazing. And, uh, and then the last part of that verse is, uh, I like this part. He went about doing good to all kinds of people. And then after that it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Here's my thought. They begin to realize as Peter at that moment that, hey, I can do stuff that's going to change the world. It isn't just doable by the expert, but in fact, sometimes the experts uh, get things muddied up. Uh, you know, they, they make it more difficult. They make it come across like, you know, uh, God bless you guys, but, you know, one day you too can become like me. And, uh, 
which makes me, uh, again, crazy in the head. And, and so I, I, I love that Peter was discovering this, I think, again, as he spoke, you know, I think, ta-da, you know, <laughs> shazam, you know, that's uh, goober, I guess, you know. <laughs> okay. So we're going, would he just quit that stuff? And you watch way too much TV growing up and can't help it. It's all just swirling in my head all the time. And, uh, and I think of cartoons, you know, but anyway, I'll spare you any more TV references there. But I, I think that he uh, realized, as did, I, I think, uh, the other apostles eventually. Oh, I get it now. He was modeling to me that it's very doable to do these things. And, you know, in a way, this, this is an idea here. Just toss it out to you. Now, have you noticed that Jesus called the Son of God? And other times he's called the Son of Man. Remember that? You've seen those? What is that all about? And some of the cults actually will pick up on it. He wasn't God. He was just a glorified man. But he was kind of an angel in between man and God. You know, he is the authentic, uh, bona fide, 100% God. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a, a, a thing we can never figure out. But all three were God. They've all been on forever and forever and forever. There's no beginning and no end. But I think in a way that Jesus was even himself saying, son of man, son of man. You know what that, I think what it meant was, uh, I am a man and hundred percent God as well, which I don't think I'll ever understand. And Van, you can maybe explain that to me between services here. Okay. And the Trinity too, please. Uh, I got five minutes. Okay. And, uh, uh, and, and I think that even Jesus, as he went about maybe starting as he's a kid is that I am the son of, I am the uh, Jesus, the son of man, son of man. And I I think what he's saying is, the stuff I have done, you can do. It's doable. It's attainable. And uh, just begin to do it. I like to say, ready, fire, aim. Because if we get into ready, aim, ready, aim, ready, aim, uh, we become the stuttering, dyslexic firing squad. You know, never quite ready. Well, I'll know when I get there. You know, just give up. You know, if that's been your, and I've lived there for years, actually. I mean, you think that I've been, no, coming to Cincinnati was a whole new adventure for me. And I'm not getting into that whole thing it was very difficult for several years until God got a hold of me and began to shape my heart and to love people uh, that I called irresponsible. <laughs> okay. And uh, to be people who are uh, not ethnically, I mean, I probably overdid it there, but had attitudes of, you know, uh, needing the government and blah, 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 you know, and, and now I, I see that. Really, what you know, that's all that aside, what he is calling me to do is to forget all them apples. I think I'm done. <laughs> and to move forward, ready, fire, aim. I'm not really quite ready yet. Ready, fire, aim. And here I am in my, uh, you know, elderly years <laughs> uh, that uh, I now have adopted this new one fire, fire, fire. I have an Uzi here, an Uzi here. They're little machine guns, but this big. My favorite machine gun. I'm into guns, you know. But anyway, and you kind of ready, for, you know, fire, aim, and you kind of do one of these things. And, and you know, I've got to tell you, sometimes it goes off. And it hits me in the, I've only got three toes now. Because I've done it a couple of times now. And so I think about it, be willing to make a mistake, to look dumb, to get in front of a person who doesn't quite understand and we're thinking, gee, that could have gone better. Well, it probably could have. But at least I was ready to do the ready fire aim, to take a risk. And I, I like to say, what's the worst that could happen? It's not that big of a deal. It's, what's the worst that could happen? You know, the pros and the cons, not that big of a deal. 
I can tell you so many stories where I, you know, stepped out of the edge. And, and again, it's not about me, but I, I'm learning to do the, the doable, to step out, take risks, and to see what would happen. And I prayed for a guy over at, uh, last story, last part of the message, um, at Best Buy. I was shopping around for something, uh, didn't find it. Uh, I felt like the Lord said, go over and pray for that guy. He had the Best Buy shirt on, really tall guy, looked like he was a basketball player. So I went over to him and I said, hey, uh, you don't know me, of course, but... And I didn't find what I was looking for, by the way. You might stock your shelves better. But uh, uh, he laughed a little bit. And he, I said, can I pray for you? And my new thing is 10 seconds. If you feel inclined to pray for people, I've had two people. I'm, I'm serious. Over 1,000 I've talked to this, not want to uh, be prayed for. And both those guys were in the Portland area. And they, they look kind of like if I gave them a $100 bill, they'd be you know, ticked off. You know? And so... They were, you know, in untouchable. And, and so, uh, but everybody else, you say 10 seconds and almost, almost say yes. If you say pray, and I know, you know, some of you guys, you know, want to pray and it's, you know, hundred percent receptivity. But again, I look scary. And Janie says, yep, you know, you're a nice guy, but you look kind of scary. You're tall and have this voice and so forth. And, but as they, uh, you know, as I go on to it, I, I'm really, I'm able to realize that they are really able to respond. And so. Uh, this guy, I walk up to him and I say, let me just pray for you for 10 seconds. You know, Jesus prayed for like five seconds often. Have you noticed that in the Gospels? Ba-boom, ba-boom. And so, you know, he looks around like, mm, 10 seconds, you know, what's the big deal? Put my hand in his arm and uh, I instantly saw a picture of him sitting in a medical school classroom in Cincinnati wearing a certain, like a, uh, you know, me- uh, Medical school, yeah, deal here. Because I, believe me, after being in the hospital for weeks and weeks and months and months, I got to know those guys and their outfits and so forth. And so as uh, I'm watching this, I say, uh, God, would you, he has a little name tag, would you show uh, Ba Ba on his first day of medical school that he didn't get here on his own efforts, but his grandmother prayed him in. And I look up. And his nose is running, his eyes are... Again, it was a horrible allergy day in Cincinnati. And, uh, of course, he says, who are you? And, uh, you know, where do you go to church? And blah, blah, blah. I didn't, you know, it's his day. I'm not going to sit there and share the the gospel with them. You with me here? It it would be rude, inappropriate, and so forth. But, you know, well, he says, where do you go to church? He said, well, I didn't say I'm the pastor. He said, well, right back here. It's so behind here. It's It's the store right in front of the vineyard, if you know that location. I said, if you got a skateboard, you could probably, gravity will take you there. It's that close. And uh, he ends up coming, uh, and more excitedly, he comes to the Lord. And so now he's a full-fledged doctor and uh, got baptized the whole shebang. And so it's about taking risks, doable. You can do the stuff that will change the world right here, right now. And uh, if you've been doing it, do it more. If you've not been doing it, jump off the board and see what happens. Go to Taco Bell. Go to, to Starbucks, whatever, whatever, and uh, see what, what Jesus does as you are available. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've called us to be the pipelines, not the pans, but the pipelines of your presence and your spirit. Lord, we open our hearts. In fact, would you put your hand on your heart now just like this? And uh, Lord, here's our heart. Here's our heart. And uh, just pray with me. Let's pray it together out loud. The three words that are the probably the most common prayer prayed from the very beginning of the Bible to the end. Here I am. Here I am. Let's say it together. Here I am. Let's do it again. Here I am. How about a third time? Here I am. 
Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. We say to you that no matter what the circumstance, no matter how we're naturally wired, we want to do what you're doing. Lord, move through us. Change the world through us. In Jesus' name, amen.